Today on Blue 58, the Packers linebackers are almost a forgotten child on defense. Were they the problem in 2023? Not necessarily. But did they make the defense better? Well, Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdink, and I'm happy to be with you here for another episode. We've got linebackers to talk about today, but we've also got something I guess resembling breaking news, the Packers are talking a little bit today. Matt LaFleur and Jeff Halfley were at the podium in Green Bay today sharing their thoughts about the process of making Halfley the Packers' new defensive coordinator. Haven't sorted through the interview completely, but I buzzed through it a little bit this afternoon. Want to go back and give it another listen. Maybe we'll pull out some more sound bites from it. But a couple things really jumped out. First, Halfley is a high-energy guy, um, pretty intense. I can see why LaFleur likes him. And LaFleur also talked a little bit about why he likes him as well. Uh, spoke very highly of his background, how he's worked well with people that that LaFleur has worked with. And that's really how hiring goes in the NFL anyway. It's like the shadow nepotism type stuff, but not the really pernicious kind, but just kind of the reality of, of the way that things go in the NFL sometimes for better or for worse. And we saw the for worse version of that the last time we did this. Uh, defensive coordinator dance. But Lafleur is really high on Halfley, spoke very highly of his character, of his scheme. But then there's this remark that jumped out. He said foremost in his mind in this process was... Uh, you better make sure the, the pieces that we have in-house are capable of, of doing what uh, he's going to expect of them. And I think we have that in-house. I think anytime you have good players, uh, they should be able to adapt to most schemes. Got to have guys in-house that can adapt to most schemes. That's kind of innocuous on the surface, but it comes on the heels of Lafleur talking about how much talent they have on defense. You can read into that a little bit saying, well, if you have these guys that can't, that are talented, that you think are good, that can't run the scheme that you were just running, what does that say about the guy that you just had around who was doing the scheming? I don't think you'd have to be that much of a conspiracy theorist to put those two together. Maybe it is, but still, I I think any time that you're hiring a new guy, there is a little bit of ind- indictment of the old guy. And that, well, he got fired. So I guess it, it well, kind of what it was, a little bit of an indictment there when you lose your job for not being good at it. And funny how that works. Anyway, Halfley expands a lot on his scheme today. Didn't get super specific about the, the scheme detail stuff, except in talking about how he wants to make sure that you can adapt it to the guys that you have rather than trying to fit guys into something that they can do. And and just this quote stood out to me. The things I believe in defense or whether you're playing 3-4, 4-3, press man, which I do love, zone coverage, vision and break, quarters match. I mean, it comes down to can can you take your players who you have and put them in the best position to succeed? And can you take your players and maximize their ability? Sorry, like just I, 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 there, there's more to this quote here, but that part just gets me so excited. Just putting players in the best position to succeed. What have we been asking for for two and a half years now? Close to three years of Joe Barry. Just do the things that your players can do well. 4 3 3 4, whatever defense doesn't matter. The players are what matter, and you've got to adapt it to what the players do well. Sorry. More on Halfley and his defensive scheme. We're going to start the quote over here. The things I believe in defense, or whether you're playing 3-4, 4-3, press man, which I do love, zone coverage, vision and break, quarters match. 
I mean, it comes down to, can you, can you take your players who you have and put them in the best position to succeed? And can you take your players and maximize their ability? Like every player wants to get better, and that's our job to do. Our job is to put the players in the best position to succeed and make plays. And that's through scheme, right? People can say that a lot of the scheme is simpler, but it's, it's very detailed. We try to make it simple for the players so they can play fast, so they don't have to think, so they can be confident and not be afraid to make mistakes, so I can get them the information, we can get them the information that they need so they can go out there and be fearless and play with their hair on fire and just run and hit and cover and get off blocks and tackle. I mean, that's the beauty of the scheme. Just absolute music there. Putting players in positions to succeed, to do what they do well, allowing them to just react so they don't have to think. I mean, it's a 55-second indictment of the two previous, well, two of the three previous defensive coordinators. We talked about for years how complex Dom Caper's scheme was. You had guys out there just thinking instead of playing. And then we've talked for years about how Mike Pettin, well, Joe Barry, not Mike Pettin, skipped one there, um, how Joe Barry just was not able to really take advantage of what his players did well. You had to to beg him to let guys like Jair Alexander and Rasul Douglas and even Rashawn Gary sometimes do things that they just did really well on a down-in, down-out basis. And to just hear a guy come up there and, and say, yeah, we just got to you know figure out what guys do well and let them do that, and we'll figure out how to be, build a scheme around that, basically. It's, it's really, really cool to hear, but also it makes you feel a little bit bad that you spent so much time over the past couple of years just trying to find a guy who will let you do the basic stuff like that. It's not about the scheme. It is about the scheme, but it's, it's more about the players. The players not play as, plays aspect of football is always going to win out. And if you've got talent on defense and the Packers think they do, if it's not up to par, something is wrong with your defensive coordinator, your, your defensive scheme. The things you are doing on defense are not correct if you're not getting those kinds of good performances out of your defense that you think you can get based on the guys that you have, which is kind of a, a great segue to the linebacker unit. Because I think as we look at this group overall, you've got one guy who is, I don't want to, dragging down the group makes it sound worse than it is, but you've got one guy who is kind of almost miscast in this group because for a shining moment, a season-long moment, he was the perfect fit for the scheme that Joe Barry brought to Green Bay and the way that the league was playing at the time that has since changed and neither one was able to adapt. And then you've got perhaps the most physically talented player on the entire defensive side of the ball who doesn't seem to have a role yet despite being unique in his physical ability. I'm talking about Devondre Campbell and Quay Walker, and I think that is an important symptom of where this defense was in 2023. The Packers signed Devondre Campbell to a big deal because they thought that's where the league was headed, and it just didn't end up being that way, and he hasn't been able to stay healthy since anyway. And they got Quay Walker because they thought he was a transformative athlete who could bring something to their defense that that we've never really seen before. And there have been flashes of that, to be sure, but really we haven't quite seen that either. So the linebackers, overall impressions are 
tough and this is going to come up a little bit. I know that I've said everything's weird and stuff like that for, you know, um, just about every position group so far. But this one is a weird one for a different sort of way because you just, I don't know what the vision here was in 2023. What did the Packers want their linebackers to be? It's easy to look at it from a roster construction standpoint and say what they hoped they would be, but it just was very kind of vanilla and strange and weird based on a bunch of athletes who have some good things that they can do but never seem to really have an identity on a week-in, week-out basis. Four guys took significant snaps at linebacker this year, all of them breaking the 100-snap barrier. So we'll talk in depth about a little bit about them individually to some extent. Uh, Eric Wilson is the first of the four. 121 snaps on defense, 309 on special teams. Defensive stuff aside, he was tops on the team on special teams. We'll probably talk a little bit more about the special teams unit as a whole when we get to that part of the recap process. But uh, Wilson was marvelous on special teams. 40 snaps on every special teams unit, at, at least 40 snaps, a lot more on some of them on every special teams unit, except for a field goal and extra point kick. Uh, he is exactly what you would describe as a core special teams player. This was the second time in his career he's broken 300 snaps on special teams. The last time was as a rookie. Tied for the team lead with seven special teams tackles. Uh, overall, 31 tackles on the season. One quarterback hit. Did not have a ball hawk this year. No plays on the ball. And did not have enough snaps to qualify for our stop rate stat, which I'm introducing to our linebacker evaluation this year. We're looking for at least 100 run snaps minimum. He had 39, so he doesn't have enough to, to count there. But he was above 12% on that, though. He did have a, a run stop, according to Pro Football Focus's stop stat. Uh, on 12% of his run snaps, so not inconsiderable there. Uh, to start the season, we predicted he'd start on special th- on, on the practice squad, but would stick around all year. We were wrong in that prediction because he was on the 53 the whole season and was a core contributor on special teams throughout. Looking at him from an overall perspective, probably the best value-free agent addition the Packers have made over the past few years, dollar for dollar, dollar for impact, as a practice squad signing from the Vikings in October of 2022, he has been a stalwart in the lineup. He's appeared in 32 straight games for the Packers, including playoffs, a regular on special teams. He has always done everything the Packers have asked him to do, despite his limitations on defense. And he was he was a, a significant contributor on Minnesota's defense when he was there as well. So he's no slouch on that side of the ball. But it just turned into a a special teams dynamo for the Packers and a core reliable part of their special teams efforts the last couple of years. So did he meet expectations? Absolutely this year. I'd say that's an easy yes on him. 2024, of course, gets a little bit more complicated because he is a free agent this offseason. Last offseason signed a one-year, $1.2 million deal. I think I would do that deal again. I hope to see Eric Wilson back in number 45 for the Packers again this year. Isaiah McDuffie, we would also be talking about as one of the Packers core special teamers, if not for guys like Wilson, because in addition to his 513 snaps on defense, he played another 202 on special teams. So another core special teams player, he tied for third on the team with four special teams tackles. Box score wise, 86 tackles, uh, second on the team, uh, just behind Quay Walker, not just behind, significantly behind Quay Walker, but ahead of everybody else. 
uh, had 16 stops on 224 run defense snaps. Of anybody who played significant run defense snaps for the Packers, well, I guess of the linebackers, he had the highest stop rate, just under 7%, just over 7%. Uh, so pretty solid year for him in that respect. One and a half ball hawks, one pass defense, and half a sack. So not tons of plays on the ball, but pretty reliable in run defense. I predicted he would be third in linebacker snaps, really going out on a limb there, I know, but he was. So we'll count that as a win for us uh, in the prediction category. McDuffie easily played the biggest role of his career this year. That was kind of what we expected from him, looking at the geography of the Packers linebacker position coming into this year. It was going to be him or nobody uh, behind Quay Walker and Devondre Campbell, and it turned out to be him. And I think he crossed over a significant kind of implicit threshold this year into uh, going from a guy who just kind of plays to a guy who is actually part of the plan. Sometimes you just get guys out on the field out of necessity. You've got to have a certain number of players. You've got to have 11 out there on defense. And if there's injuries or, or things going sideways in a game, sometimes guys just end up out there who are not a core part of your plan. But with the number of snaps McDuffie played this year, they were, they were intentionally including him in the game plan, which I think is a significant development in his career. Looking at our kind of reverse-engineered run-stop stats, a little bit different than the advanced stuff that Pro Football Focus does. But in the past, we've looked at tackles for a yard or less on run plays, just any run play, any down or distance. Did you make a stop on the, the ball carrier for a yard or less? In the top three this year, you had two names you would expect and one that you probably wouldn't have at the start of the season. TJ Slayton was first on the Packers with 20. He had 20 stops for a yard or less. Pretty solid there, Mr. Slayton. Uh, Then you had Quay Walker in third with 17. So showing up in run defense like you'd expect from the Packers, you know, former first-round pick, an elite athlete, a core part of their defense. But then right between those two guys, you've got Isaiah McDuffie with 19 such plays. There he is again, showing up in the run defense, exactly what the Packers need him to do and doing it on a game-in, game-out basis. So did he meet expectations? Yes, absolutely, for sure. I think that is another easy one. Eric Wilson did everything the Packers needed him to do. Isaiah McDuffie, a bigger role this year, but still I think did what the Packers needed him to do. He met expectations this year in a big way. Now, all of that praise for McDuffie makes what I'm going to say next kind of tough. Because on the one hand, I think he was exactly what you wanted in 2023. He was the sort of guy who's going to come in and either be like the linebacker equivalent of a spot starter as a pitcher in baseball or an extended reliever, a guy who can give you some quality reps when you need him, but you're not going to count on him being a core part of the picture. That was 2023. Assuming that Devondre Campbell is on the outs in Green Bay, is McDuffie what you want as the Packers number two linebacker in 2024? That's where football is such a cold game from a roster construction standpoint. Because you could look at Isaiah McDuffie and be like, he did a great job in 2023. Stellar performance was exactly what you wanted. But we absolutely don't want any more out of him than that. We just want him to stay in that role and be kind of the third linebacker and come in when we need him, not when we have to have him out there. Yeah, that's it just kind of cuts both ways. You know, you can be good, but teams are always going to want to be improving. And I think that's kind of where things are for McDuffie. As 
you know, cruel as it seems to say out loud after just saying a whole bunch of nice stuff. Still, you do want him on your roster for 2023, and he's heading into a, a, a contract year, so he can look forward to, you know, um, maybe playing a, a role very similar to what he played in 2023 and then getting some guaranteed money coming his way next offseason uh, when teams are looking around for guys that can be exactly what Isaiah McDuffie is, a, a reliable depth piece who can give you quality special teams reps. It's a valuable thing to be in the NFL, and you can make a very handsome living doing that exact thing. Now, Devondre Campbell, 575 snaps on defense, virtually a career low. His next lowest was 547 as a rookie in 2016 for a guy who's always been a reliable player just in terms of availability. That is an enormous drop-off even after a somewhat dinged-up 2022 as well. Played another 48 snaps on special teams, though never a core player on any particular unit. Had 75 tackles this year, a low for his time in Green Bay. Had three tackles for loss, a low for his time in Green Bay. Zero sacks, tied for his low in Green Bay. Advanced stats, one single ball hawk. One pass defense, that was his lone play on the ball all season long. A huge, huge drop-off from where he was in 2022. His run-stop rate was actually up from where it was last year. Don't have the exact figure in front of me. Forgot to put it in my notes, but he's just under 5%, uh, but uh, like a third of a percent up from where he was in 2022, so, so slightly better, but still pretty unspectacular there. I kind of thought that he would play a smaller role this year. That was kind of the expectation, really the plan since Quay Walker was drafted. And he did, but it was mainly because he was injured a whole bunch and not because the Packers had a chance to like rest him, manage the load of snaps that he was taking. He was just hurt a whole lot, and that really colored his entire season. In fact, I would, I would go so far as to say this was a pretty catastrophic season for Devondre Campbell. He was injured a lot, and then he played through injury and wasn't especially good when he did, and then he wasn't good when he was healthy, and then dealt with some discontent because he was tired of people saying that he was not good when he was hurt. So he just said, I'm not going to do this anymore. And you can hardly blame him for that. Trying your best and doing what you can for the team. And then people criticize you for, for not playing as well as you could when you're hurt. So you just say, well, I'm not going to try it anymore. We're just not going to do that. And things got, it seems kind of tense for the Packers and Campbell down the stretch of the 2022 season. Stepping back a little bit, just from 2023, his free agent deal in the 2022 offseason has proven to be basically a disaster in almost every respect. He was, in 2021, a perfect fit for a defensive trend that just didn't last very long. Uh, A lot of teams, well, specifically people tied to uh, the Fangio tree, were doing a lot of five-man front stuff with a single linebacker. That's what worked well for Brandon Staley in... uh, uh, Los Angeles, I almost said St. Louis with the Rams. Uh, it was the idea of his defense early on uh, with the Chargers. It was what Joe Barry tried to do with the Packers defense when he came on board in 2021. And, and look, lest you've forgotten, the Packers defense was largely pretty good in 2021. There were some bumps in the road, but overall the defense was not a huge problem. They did feast on some not-so-great quarterbacks down the stretch that probably made them look better than they were. 
But Devondre Campbell was a big part of why their their defense did so well because he was a perfect fit for what the Packers needed from their linebackers. A big, long, rangy linebacker whose you know primary gifts are in coverage. It made a lot of plays on the ball. And then the Packers re-sign him thinking they're going to build around him and keep doing that. Then they add Quay Walker to allow him to just do the things that he's best at. You know, and eventually you're going to transition to maybe Quay Walker is taking more of the snaps and Devondre Campbell can play this more specialized role, but they're going to build off each other. And we have just never really gotten to see that. And I think it's affected Quay Walker and how we perceive him. And it certainly has affected Devondre Campbell because he's been at the center of that decline and it's been a precipitous decline. Of the guys that we have said did not meet expectations in 2023, I think Campbell is the easiest no so far. And as a result, looking ahead to 2024, it is really hard to see a future for him in Green Bay. It's hard to see a situation where he ends up coming back to the Packers uh, for any, I don't want to say any amount of money, but I, I just don't see where he would factor into their plans for 2024. He does not want to seem, it does not seem to want to be there. He is expensive and he was not very good in 2023. I think you probably look at look to get out from that contract. Just take your medicine on the on the dead cap hit there and and move on from the Devondre Campbell era in Green Bay. Finally, Quay Walker, 849 snaps on defense, led the team there. 59 on special teams, pretty solid season for Quay Walker in that regard. Uh, despite an early season concussion, availability was strong for Quay Walker start to finish. 118 tackles, seven tackles for loss this year, two and a half sacks, seven quarterback hits, good, solid enough numbers across the board. His stop rate was up to 6.9%, up about half a percent from where it was last year. Uh, A step in the right direction, still probably not exactly where we want to see for a guy who was drafted where he was and who has the role that he does on the Packers defense. Uh, Just for comparison's sake, that's well under what Chris Barnes did for the Packers way back in 2020. I was doing a little bit of work on this number. It's something that I want to expand and add to our repertoire going forward, but just looked at the past three or four seasons trying to come up with some some ballpark comparisons. Chris Barnes is the best we've seen so far uh, at about like nine and a half, close to 10% in terms of a stop rate. Quay Walker hasn't been close to that in his his Packers career so far. I know their roles are not one to one the same there, but you'd you'd hope for a, a guy who has the physical abilities that Walker does, he could at least get close to where Chris Barnes, a former undrafted free agent, was for the Packers a couple of years ago. Prediction wise, we were mostly right on Quay Walker. Thought he would lead the team in tackles. Thought he'd play more snaps than Devondre Campbell. Also predicted he'd get his first career interception, which he did in one of the most exciting plays of the whole season, his week one pick six. I still don't know if I have fully returned to earth from that play. Just beating up on the Bears and then having that play to cap it off, uh, I don't know what it feels like to move exactly to another plane of consciousness. But for a few moments, that's what it felt like watching him run that interception back. Just it doesn't get any better than this. Beating up on the Bears in week one, the whole league is watching. And then Quay Walker takes one to the house. Ooh, just terrific. Uh, I also predicted, and wrongly, that Quay Walker would have 15 or more ball hawks in this season. He did not. He regressed severely in ball hawks this year. Was at, I think, 11 and a half off the top of my head uh, last year, down to six and a half. 
uh, this year. Yep, 11.5 last year looking at my notes. 6.5 this year just was not making as many plays on the ball. I think you kind of have to look at Walker's career to this point as you evaluate him. A really promising rookie year. Uh, but in 2023, it didn't seem like the Packers knew what they wanted to do with him. He blitzed a little bit more, 52 blitzes compared to 52, according to Pro Football Focus. But he was on the edge a little bit less. In 2022, there were two games where he had double-digit snaps as an outside linebacker in, in the Packers' defense. No such games in 2023. Most numbers that you look at will tell you that he was worse in coverage through two years, it really just does not feel like he has a defined role in Green Bay. And I really struggle, though, with how much of that to put on on Walker. As you try to answer the question, did he meet expectations? I was looking back at my notes from the start of the season. We were hoping that Walker would be kind of a lead dog in the Packers' defense. He was, I think, but did he kind of have the impact that you would expect from a guy like Quay Walker. Pulling pulling on that thread a little bit, I think Walker is a pretty good analog for Christian Watson. He's clearly meant to replace someone. Walker is coming on to replace Devondre Campbell's 2021 All-Pro output. You hope that Walker develops into that kind of guy someday, where Watson is coming in as a, a Devontae Adams replacement. And to that point, he was inquired in part with capital from the Devontae Adams trade. Like Watson, he's a crazy athlete. Like Watson, he is unique among his peers at his position on the roster. And as a result, it's kind of hard to have any expectation for him at any time other than just more. Walker is a good example, and Watson is too, of the cursed by greatness phenomenon that we have talked about uh, a few times on this podcast. He's just so gifted as an athlete, you can't help but have enormously high expectations for him all the time. Another issue with that is just where he was drafted. The first round just raises expectations. But another issue tied to this is his defensive coordinator. And this goes back to what Matt LaFleur was ta- saying in his press conference, kind of indirectly about Joe Barry. You're hoping that the, the guys that you have in place can run the scheme that you have, And if you're not tailoring your scheme to those guys, what does it say about you? It does not seem like Joe Barry had any kind of specific plan for anyone on the Packers' defense. So did Quay Walker meet expectations for 2023? I know we did a podcast toward the middle of last season where we said pretty firmly it did not seem like he was. But now, having seen the entirety of the season... I'm going to do something that I don't know if we've ever done before in these kind of segments on the show and just say, I don't know. I honestly don't know with Quay Walker because it feels like there's a lot of what he is supposed to be as a player that is out of his control. You could do a lot of the basic runaround and tackle stuff just regardless of the scheme that you're in, but it has never seemed like the Packers have tried to maximize the things that he can do or could do through their scheme. I will say that the defense feels better when he's out there. He is a physical presence unlike anything else the Packers have on their roster, unlike anything we've really seen from that spot in a long time. But he also didn't make a lot of plays, but he also wasn't put in a position to make many plays. It didn't ever seem like he was blitzing as much as he could have or should have. He certainly wasn't making plays in coverage as often as you would kind of expect a guy with, with his abilities but I still don't know how much of the stuff that he has 
I guess, failed to do is really his fault. So I'm going to go with, I don't know about Walker for 2023. But for 2024, he, Devontae Wyatt, and Christian Watson have a ton on the line. Walker and Wyatt both have fifth-year option considerations coming up after the season. Christian Watson is heading into the back half of his contract, and Walker specifically, I think, needs to be a focal point of the defense in a way that he hasn't been to this point. He needs to be, I think, what Kenny Clark is for the defensive line and what Rashawn Gary is on the edge and what Jair Alexander is in the secondary. A guy who you know is going to be good week in and week out, who you can count on to be the same week in and week out, and I think he can be that. But as is always the problem with first-round picks, especially those who are exceptionally physically gifted, we also just need a little bit more. And that is the Quay Walker conundrum and something that he, I think, is going to have to deal with for his entire career, however long that may be. In any case, that's all I've got for you in this episode of Blue 58. I appreciate you tuning in. I'd appreciate it even more if you'd take a second and share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it. It's going to help more people find the show and get more people involved in this conversation you and I are having about the Green Bay Packers, which in turn is going to help all of us, me included, become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.